Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Welcome to Intelligent Speech. And I know you're probably saying, for me, in lots of ways, this is my most favourite of the podcasts that I do. Uh, Hence, it's rarity. I just like speaking to people. I think if I have a superpower, it's that. And maybe um, it's just listening to people. Some of you who are listening to the podcast might know that in the last three or four months, I've become somewhat of a devotee of Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse is the new social media application where um you can connect with people through through voice through sound and um when i first got onto the platform i was like a babe flat you know flailing around in, in the water but one of the one of the people who i kind of gravitated towards just listening to them was nicole stark and she wasn't really aware but she was kind of one of my trifecta one of the three people who helped me get my bearing on the app and I went into rooms as you do and I suppose stalk is a too too harsh a word but that's kind of what you do you know <laughs> you 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 hear people talk in rooms and you go yeah you know I like what they say and then you see them pop up in another room and you kind of follow them around that's how social media works and um, the other two people were Drew Morrissey and uh and and Patrick and 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 they're just wonderful all of them are just wonderful thinkers and what I really like is when somebody says something uh, which I don't, I haven't heard before. They they gave me really for pause for thought. So, uh, Nicole, before we go on any further and we deal with the uh, topic in hand, which is intimacy over sexuality, uh, why don't you give us the cliff notes of Nicole Stark? Well, first of all, thanks, Rafael, because I'm not sure I fit in the same caliber as uh, Patrick and, and Drew. So that that is an, indeed a compliment. And yeah, in terms of the cliff notes of me, I mean, I essentially just sit at the intersection of art and innovation. Um, I'm really interested in developing evolutionary strategies that integrate points of intelligence. And so because of this, I've kind of been involved in many different industries from Hollywood and startups and, you know, all the way to founding one of the first venture capital funds in 2013 that was exclusively devoted to Bitcoin, the Bitcoin blockchain at the time. So intentionally trying to expose myself to all the different domains in order to gain intelligence to figure out um, what is less measurable and try to make connections that are uh, less obvious or less typical. So that's kind of what I'm about in a nutshell. So you see, that to me makes you eminently very interesting because how I came by you was intimacy and 
and an intelligence, which I thought was very kind of tangible. And, and, and for me, you're describing things which aren't, you know, so it's the whole kind of Bitcoin thing. So when we then started to converse and there was this other side to you, which I wasn't aware of, that to me created some level of cognizant dissonance as about the picture of you of which I I actually had. I thought you were somebody who was um, some kind of a philosopher forward slash artist. Why was I so wide of the mark? Well, the thing is, is that I intentionally don't like to define or put myself in a particular category. And I understand that human nature will place you in a particular category, whether we like it or not. But, um, but I guess I suppose that I've decided that that's an advantage because then I can, I have the element of surprise and that I can usually exceed somebody's expectations because it, it, they're, they're placing me as less accurate. And when they discover what is more and more accurate, that's a slower, discovery process that can build some depth and and hopefully some relationship so i am i i mean i love philosophy and i love art and i love innovation and i love all of these things and, and the majority of my conversations really are um about activating intelligence and i don't think and i don't prioritize one intelligence over the other and so that does land me more in the arts and philosophy even though i apply that same knowledge to innovation and technology and and primarily culture and really about um, developing relationships, the quality of relationships that we have to one another. One of the cuts and thrusts of our conversation today is intimacy. And I've definitely discovered a new level of intimacy on, on Clubhouse. I think that this is as a platform fosters and accelerates a level of intimacy but it's an intellectual intimacy it's not physical it can be sexual you know we can dream about and, and have fantasies about <laughs> that person uh, on the other end of the microphone Which that, is, that is wonderful we encourage all of these kinds of intimacy but before we talk about maybe sexual um, intimacy tell me about intellectual intimacy if you're developing an app I'm presuming um, you have to sit down with, uh, you know, creators, with coders, with investors, uh, with marketeers. And there needs to be some level of a, of a, a group think, a mind think. And which says to me that intellectually there has to be some kind of intimacy. You must be able to probe the mind, the psyche of those people around you and them to do the same with you. Well, there's a couple of things that I can be, that can be said here, but first let me back up a bit, Rifle, to okay. frame, to frame it a little bit so that it's more clear is that, like I said, my, you know, I'm primarily interested in evolutionary strategies that integrate points of intelligence. And mm -hmm. one of my main tools for integration is intimacy. And I have several different tools, right? Um, because, you know, there's all these different tools that we have that are, that I think are depending on the context and the timing, right? That there's different tools for different circumstance. But when we're talking about intimacy, I, I also include sensuality and then you noted sexuality. But all of these things are human and we've mostly been socialized or perhaps we sometimes naturally compartmentalize parts of our humanity in order to understand ourselves, right? Because they tend to be complicated um, and it's easier to to take bits rather than the whole in order to have some understanding. But all of these are parts of us. 
And it's really all a part of the same conversation. And so again, in context of integration, I'm interested in locating these vectors and engage the fullness of human integration. And that, you know, integration seems to be more challenging and less clear because it's more complicated. And yet I find um, integration to be more powerful and full, more full experiences. So it's not necessarily about being uh, sex positive, as you kind of mentioned, or necessarily about sexuality. It's about integrating and making room for all all aspects of our humanity in any given situation. So if that if you're bringing up a situation that's in the context of business, then I think there's different levels of intimacy, right? I mean, you know, shaking a hand could be intimate, uh, all the way to, you know, some physical intimacy around sex. So and there, there's the spectrum of intimacy, like you noted, intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical, there's there's all these different things. So but I think the importance is, you know, um, is more about the conversation as a whole, that it's no one part and what what intimacy requires are many different parts to come together. So that's kind of, I think, the, the starting point. I, I can also add that it's that this idea about not over focusing um, here. I can give a, a little metaphor. It's in this integrating. Um, it's that. And how everything exists in relationship to everything else. One kind of metaphor is um, around nutri- nutrients. Like I don't know if you if you understand how nutrients work, but I like this metaphor. Is that most of the nutrients found in food, right? They're very complex, and as soon as we isolate the nutrients, they're no longer synergistic. They're no longer integrated into one another, where they compound into complex nutrients with phyto and micronutrients, for example which allow the body to assimilate these nutrients exponentially more completely. So I find that this is kind of a helpful metaphor and I think it applies to all of our different intelligences. So I'll stop there because I could go on. No, no, uh, listen, uh, I've invited you onto the podcast for you to go on. So I, I think it's an utterly a fascinating metaphor that the sum is much more than the individual uh, yes. components. Keep going, keep going. But I, I'm utterly fascinated to try and understand how this informs the way that you practically demonstrate your connection or intimacy um, in your day-to-day world? Well, I find that I organize around values maybe more than principles, you know, and, and I enjoy reorganizing, you know, because I think that even our best frameworks and best, you know, are, are limited. And so, and, and there's certain things that help us organize and reorganize, you know, um, and the process of expanding and layering instead of narrowing and isolating, kind of what I pointed to earlier. So I try to figure out ways that combine and add more elements rather than being satisfying with any distillation, which is kind of where humans tend to go. We, t- we tend to we we tend to prefer a, a kind of isolation in order to manage something or understand it more completely. But it's less. What, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's our default position? I think just kind of, as I said, it's easier to wrap our minds around, right? And it's incredibly efficient in terms of um, an immediate uh, problem. Solving an immediate problem or addressing something immediate, um, it's super efficient for a short-term understanding is to take something very specific, very detailed, isolate it, understand it, 
and then to to address it. It's much more complex to bring in the multiples and have all of the different variables at once. That's much more difficult and less efficient in terms of time. So I think that's partially why we do that, you know, as a survival instinct, right? So I think that's one reason. And I think the other reason is maybe that because that's more efficient and more timely, we become lazy because it requires more work for us to, you know, to be more integrative, integrative, to be more um, complex in our navigation, to add more tools and more information to the picture, you know, to, to live inside this constellation and navigate that is far more challenging for humans. You know, for me, uh, you, you've kind of turned this a little bit on its head for me, because I thought to myself, right, there are, let's say, four types of intimacy, emotional, intellectual, physical, and, and spiritual. I'm, I'm sure there are many others, but that's what my little brain can kind of get its head wrapped around. And for me, intimacy is a simplicity. But for you, uh, the building blocks of it are incredibly complex. Well, that's kind of interesting that you noted that. I mean, I think I've been told that a lot. But I think the truth is, is that there is maybe a simplicity in our experience, but maybe what's occurring unconsciously or subconsciously or just immeasurably are so many variables that make up a particular experience. And I think that if we're going to affect that experience or locate uh, potential points of growth and also potential points of failure, it's helpful to kind of be aware of all of these variables. And also to, um, I think that's just, I mean, I think I just said it, you know, <laughs> is that, you know, and I can, I can kind of give examples, but my point is that I'm interested in integrating, you know, the mind, the heart and the body, and perhaps more specifically re locating the spaces in between them all and the experiences that require them all to be activated at the same time. So, so here's the thing. I got you wrong. Let's say, and I've kind of hinted at this in my preamble that intimacy can really be fostered how on the platform that we met and and i believe just distilling people down to their voice and to their mind is a deeply intimate process you know you, I agree. you don't have the physical affect to distract you um you know you can't smell them you know ultimately it's at the core of that person's humanity it's just their voice and it's just their brain and I've had some deeply um, intimate moments on this app, speaking in rooms of just three or four people where people have laid themselves bare. And, and I've displayed as much honesty as I could too. And it was kind of into that realm. And let's say that Clubhouse has many components one of them is the during the day where there are formal rooms and you have stages and it almost <laughs> it almost feels like um like a conference you know and people get up on stage and say their bit you know for for a few minutes and they shuffle off and yes you can have a throughput of ideas but for me the app then changes in the evening where people relax and become intimate uh. <laughs> And yes, and are you going to note? Are you going to note my nighttime? Yes, I am. Yes, because that's a I'm great way. Yeah, going great. You've, you, exactly. You've signposted where I'm going with this. So I had this vision, this picture of you, who was going into these rooms and um, talking about philosophy and art, 
And then um, mind my own business, all of a sudden these PTRs appear and they are highly sexual, um, very beautiful. They're sensual, Royful. I'd like to correct you on that. Okay. Well, one person's sensual <laughs> is another person's right. sexual. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, which we can discuss. And you might, I don't know if people, you're, all of your audience know what PTR means. Oh, uh, Paul to refresh basically it's the image it's it's the icon it's the um you know the the little image that you have displayed um next to our names that that you use that in the evening you switch you switch from let's say business you to sensual you uh why do you do that yeah this is the perfect kind of this was how it all was inspired and i think that um because this is me integrating into the whole of my person is that I am not just, you know, and I think most of us are not, most of us are not just one thing. We're not just two things or three things. <laughs> we're a plethora or whatever the word is. We're, we're multiples of things that make up ourselves. And what I tend to um, be aware of and then highlight is how we actually, you know, fractionalize ourselves. I mean, and we do experience a fractionalization. We talk about that a lot, even on this app. But I think in such an obvious way we fractionalize ourselves is we separate a huge part of our humanity. And that's our sensuality. And I do like, I do feel that I engage sensuality much more than, than sexuality. And I understand also that that translates to people in different ways. But really, it, for me, it's, it's me that I'm, and I think all humans, we're sensual creatures. And sensuality isn't only sexual. It's how we feel and how we um, sense the world around us. And that is, pri- you know, primarily through our, our bodies, but not only. I mean, we co- you know, the whole process of cognition isn't just, you know, through our bodies. But it is this experience and this um feel this vibe and so what I like to do I enjoy doing one is integrating to myself and then allowing that experience to be uh shared because this is the this is because it's true and I do think that it also pro- provokes but but, but, um, but you're sharing it. kind of a void but I, I think what's interesting though is that you share it through a medium which on the platform that we're on never gets discussed that often because you put it there and it's visual and you hardly ever refer to it. Yeah, I never do. But that matches my ethos because so much of what I'm about is investigating the spaces in between that which is less measurable, right? What What's generally missing from conversations or experiences or, you know, whatever it is, that's what I'm interested in. That's what I find um, inspiring sometimes or disrupting. And, and that's a whole other kind of area of my focus is inspiration and disruption as, as some primary means for which we as humans are invited into change. So one of the ways of which you're being an angel and an advocate for intimacies through disruption. Now, I'm not saying those and, two and things are synonyms. And it's free. It's not only one thing, right? Okay. But but those images tend to be a little bit disruptive, or but maybe for some people inspiring. In either way, I'm happy. Or right? distracting. That is, or distracting. But distraction is a form of disruption. That's true. Is it not? So That's that true. falls under disruption for me. All right. So what we need to do is uh, quickly pause because uh, we do have a few people in 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 the room right now. I'm speaking to Nicole Stark. 
who is on my podcast, Intelligent Speech. I'm recording uh, this interview for my podcast, Intelligent Speech. And um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, and it's lovely to see Marseille Butler um, in the audience because she will be coming on the show next. Uh, another uh, wonderful person who I've met Yay, on, on Clubhouse. So if you are in the audience, um, that's exactly what we're doing. I'm recording a podcast. It's the reason why I didn't exactly really kind of publicize it. But I did want, uh, dare I say, friends and family to wander in and uh, to listen. And uh, so far, we've got a, a good quorum of people. I'm going to speak for maybe about another uh, 15, 20 minutes. Then after that, I will invite people to come up on stage and, and contribute and, and ask Nicole, um uh, what is intimacy? Um, is it better than sexuality? What are the differences between the two? What is her definition of? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Intimacy. You're many things, but a provocateur is, you know, you say disruptor, and I, and I think provocateur, I think that's a more elegant way. Of, of describing it. I agree. I prefer that. But, you know, yes. Let's talk about this definition of of intimacy and uh, kind of like sexuality, because you've already chastised me and you said, no, it's sensuality. And, you know, here I am minding my own business, talking in a room at whatever time it was, two, three weeks ago, and I'm distracted but by your by your image, I'm going. Wait a minute. Is this a couple loving each other, biting each other, killing each other? It was utterly wonderful. <laughs> it was. T- it was. It, you know, I don't know what was being discussed. All of a sudden, my brain has gone to um, to what you were displaying. But then, when we spoke off mic, you know, you said you, you surprised me by saying, "You know what? No, I'm not necessarily that." sexual a person um you know no no no, no. That, that isn't that isn't what i said I, oh good good <laughs> I'm, I'm glad one of us was taking notes or recording the conversation <laughs> no I, i'm highly sexual but that sexuality and this is a great point is that mm. is that our kind of assumptions that we are we've been socialized which is again what i'm confronting is that our social assumptions that come with our different expressions so because I focus on sensuality and, you know, don't feel the need to compartmentalize myself because I feel like, hey, we're all adults, fucking deal with it, especially when it's a great part of our humanity. And, you know, intimacy isn't only sexual and we can be playful with people that we're not even sexually attracted to. Um, so there's all these elements, right? But there's this assumption that because I focus on sensuality that I must be super sexually active. And that's what I'm saying is that I'm highly sexual and sensual, but I'm not uh, actually super like there's an assumption that I would be very promiscuous. Um, and I'm actually not. I wouldn't judge myself if I were. So I'm, I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying that that's that's an assumption that very much is is real that we've been socialized that, oh, somebody who's very sexual or sensual must be very sexually active. 
and, uh, and, and, and more, much more towards the promiscuity side. And, and I'm not, I'm actually not that promiscuous at all. And again, it, it's not a judgment. I'm just, I'm just saying the, the assumption. I, I'm not, I'm pretty, I mean, when I'm in a relationship and in a committed relationship, I'm super active, but when I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's, that's, so that assumption is what I, and this is, this is the point to a lot of my work or self-expressions or my, the way that I engage others is to a little bit provoke some of all of these things to different degrees, to different people. Mm. I must admit the older I've got, the more I've realized that um, the physical side of intimacy is slightly overblown. And I like intimacy and there is, and it can be a prelude to sex. It can be a prelude to a whole plethora of things. But I think that, um, and this is the reason why we're having this conversation, because that conversation that we had over the phone for me was was stark and, 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 and revealing in that how I'd got you wrong or assumed I'd made certain certain kind of assumptions. Uh, but then it forced me um, actually to look at my myself and the re- why do I have the... Um, why do I like the, thing, the things that I like? And, as, and I suppose in large part, it's because I, I'm getting older. You know, I'm not the uh, the horn bucket that I was when, let's say, when I was 21. But uh, that's not bad either, Roy. No. Right? And, we tend, and we tend to collapse them all or mm-hmm. become binary, that it's one or the other. And that's exactly what I'm challenging is that intimacy, sensuality, sexuality doesn't need to be collapsed into the same thing, nor does it need to be uh either or like all of it all of it is human all of it is available to us and usually in combinations back to my metaphor of nutrients and the synergy those elements of ourselves are exponentially more synergetic and and able to assimilate meaning they get better together versus separate and that's something that i think we're we we know intellectually but we're not very good at at staying integrated so that we can experience that kind of exponential um, uh, advancement or expansion of an experience because they're all working together in ways that we can't measure. We don't know. It's very difficult to trace, but it's there. But, 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 let, but let's try and measure. Let's try and chase. So if I'm going to be intimate with you or if someone's going to be intimate with you, right, Um. What level of intimacy are you going to put ab- above another? Experiential. Is it spending quality time? Is it having down, t- being able to share downtime with somebody? The older I get, the more I appreciate that. That it's one thing to go on a flashy first date, second date, whatever, um, to have a great holiday with somebody. But actually, it's the quality downtime when you've got nothing planned which is incredibly intimate. It's incredibly honest and revealing. Can you reveal that part of yourself? Is it spiritual intimacy, which you see as, um, you know, more important? You know, somebody who gets you on a deep level where you can literally finish each other's sentences. You know what the other one is thinking. You, you feel em- empathetically uh, intimate towards them. Is it... um is it the fact that um, you can share ideas with somebody, you can be honest uh, intellectually with somebody, you can just lay yourself bare and you know they're not going to judge you if you say the right thing, but also you have this inquiring mind and the pair of you together 
um, can, you know, have this oneness intellectually. I mean, yes, yes, and yes. I mean, without like listing, I mean, how long would it take us to list all? I mean, I would say it's I don't all know. of that. <laughs> yeah, but, but but which is I mean, most important? Which is most important? And do they change over as as we get yes. older? And, and I don't think there is the most important. I think they're all important. It's kind of silly to me how like you know the 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 love languages, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always this big eye roll, you know, that's been around for I don't know the last fifteen, ten years or whatever. I don't even know how old it is. But it's like oh, there's the four or five love languages. I forget what it is. And it's like okay, that's you know to some extent useful. But again, it's trying to it's trying to reduce an experience or a primary experience, which can be helpful originally, you know, initially, or in some instances, but really it's all of it. And I would say that we overly focus on what we experience as intimate versus what the other experiences as intimate or, or valuable or whatever it is. And I think what is interesting about intimacy is there is a co-creation that, that is at play. Mm. And that it's that it is this giving and receiving. I uh, kind of make everything about dance since I'm a dancer. So for me, it's about the movement. There's movement. It's not static. It's dynamic. And it is um, it's it's taking cues from other. It's matching. It's responding to other. It's not just self. And that we experience, I think, satisfaction and benefit when we enter into other in ways that we wouldn't be able to expect. And so for me, like, I love being able to give to others and pay attention to what they uh, experience as valuable. And then it's that dance. We enter into the dance. So I'm not so sure how helpful it is to 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 pick one or two or three, and especially not outside of a particular relationship, because every relationship is going to have different answers to those things based on their particular dynamic. Okay. Um, let me ask somewhat of a purient question, but I believe you're going to um, answer it honestly. Can you have sex with somebody which is enjoyable, but there is no intimacy? Well, of course. I mean, we experience that, right? We experience all kinds of sex. We experience all different kinds of sex with different levels of intimacy or no intimacy at all. And we experience different levels of pleasure, you know, with or without intimacy, right? I mean, all of those things exist. Because I, I struggle to now, if I'm being honest with you. I, hmm. I, 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 again, uh, you know, it's that whole thing where you point the finger. So I'm pointing the finger at you and there's three fingers pointing back. Um, I struggle to. I'm not bothered about that type of sex anymore. Well, I mean, this I mean, this is the, you know, I suppose to each their own. I, I think that what I enjoy is inviting others to continue to expand their experiences of the good and usually that expansion of the good requires a few things and maybe this is what you're asking of me Royfield. I think one of the things that that intimacy really requires that humans are not good at is engaging risk and part of what I do in like you know my expressions like let's say of my PTR pictures or are my conversations. And if you're with me in person, I mean, it's, you know, if I didn't have pictures, I'm still able to live into my sensuality in certain ways. It is, it, it requires risk and it, and risk on, on, on multiple layers. Like when it requires risk for me, because it's a certain kind of vulnerability you're going against the grain, but it also is, um, the invitation to others to engage the risk that which they're not used to, 
or which is maybe a little uncomfortable. So, and I think that we, we're not very connected with how intimacy does require risk outside of the, the, the obvious instances of fear that we react in. Like, you know, and there's a lot of people we can observe, and I'm sure many of us have been in relationships where when something gets a little too intimate, we recoil or we contract because that's scary. And the reason why that's scary is because we're, you know, we're, we're afraid there's, there's some risk involved and it's an uncertain outcome and the stakes are higher. So I think that that's something that we can look at in terms of intimacy. And I try to, you know, create an invitation of that, that that's good though, that there is this, um, for me, this experience of surrender, there's an experience of like a, a natural limitation. That's deeply intimate though, to trust somebody to surrender. That's, that's deeply intimate because it's not only the physical, it's, it's spiritual and it's compassionate, isn't it? That you know what the boundaries are, which, which each actually have. So you give yes, agency. Yes, being willing to be hurt nonetheless. And I think this is what I notice and observe of others. Like I'm willing to be hurt. I accept that as, as inevitable rather than trying to protect myself from pain or hurt. Instead, I try to make a choose wisely you know, where I'm taking risk, right? And I can evaluate what might be healthy kinds of pain versus unhealthy kinds of pain. Like we, we definitely want to mention that. But um, I, I find that I trust myself. And so therefore, I also expect it to be painful. And yet I also expect, um, or I hope for, I should say in a different way, that there, that it might be worth it. And even, and, and what that is requires me to engage a little bit more sophisticated cost versus benefit, right? Because a lot of the benefit isn't immediate and yet some of the pain is. And I think this is what we are missing in our kind of navigation skills inside relationship and intimacy is that we recoil from potential pain. We recoil from actual pain, active pain. And then we're less connected to the, the benefits or the upsides. And, um, and that means that we're not able to, um, accept, surrender, or I think reap a lot of the benefits that are, um, that are available to us that where the potential is because we, we're not navigating in ways that we can make these decisions a little bit more powerfully. You know, I, I, I completely agree. And, and I think how, how I make sense of how, let's say, we are more ready to bail out of relationships now at the first sign of trouble is because we've made, uh, as a society, as a culture, we've put too much store by romantic love, forgetting the other types of love that there actually are, that when we don't necessarily feel that flush of that kind of he, heady romantic love towards a partner we forget there's other types of love that compassionate love that for the love of fidelity uh and in in, in that level of intimacy and yes i think our friendships we do the same royfield right we, we if we experience a little pain or if our disappointment or our expectations aren't being met inside of friendships people recoil and contract and whereas i expect that like of course i'm going to fuck up of course, I'm going to disappoint you. And of course, you're going to fuck up and you're going to disappoint me. That doesn't mean that, that oh, I'm out. This relationship is no good. Now, it can be, like if there's something particularly and extremely unhealthy, of course. 
but I think this is this is the problem with our with how we collapse all of these things into one that with intimacy. I'm I actually and here's a great point. I don't operate that differently inside my friendships as I do my romances. There certainly are differences, of course, but there's not that many because it is a relationship and relationships require similar things. And particularly, I don't really have many relationships. I can't think of at all any close ones that don't have intimacy, that aren't deeply intimate. I have many acquaintances, but anyone who's close to me, there is absolute depth of intimacy. And those, the same things are required of whoever we're intimate with, whether it's romantic or not. This is the same risk is required, the same capacity, right? All of the same human processes are required. I think that's a perfect place for us to, to have a pause. We've got a nice little audience listening to our conversation. And I've now invited four friends on stage um if you would like to kind of join in with this conversation now is your time hold your hand up and and i'll pull you up on on stage Uh, you will make the podcast so uh bear that in mind if you if if you if you're a little bit uh shy about being published maybe this isn't the time for you to to jump on stage Uh, but we've been talking about intimacy and how important intimacy is and different types of intimacy. So now I'd like to invite my friends, Aram, Ajahn, Marseille and Jehun, uh, maybe just to, to, to pose a question, to take the conversation in a direction of which uh, they see fit. Feel free to, to unmute yourself. Hey, Roy Feldman, Nick Well, um, This has been a really great conversation. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting about what you were just saying about fear and also what Royfield was saying earlier about the intimacy of this act, which sort of distills us down to a single picture and a voice, uh, which isn't to oversimplify that. That's still a lot of complexity. I think that uh, there's a lot of potential for intimacy in part because the amount of fear that we have is reduced. You know, some of the self-consciousness that can get in the way of intimacy, for example, goes away because there's just not as much to sort of see to feel somehow more pure um to me in some ways and i'm just curious to to hear you tap into that a little bit you know with this kind of um experience how does that kind of create different opportunities for for intimacy and uh you know and and maybe that has something to do with the age that we're in in terms of people being connected digitally more often and and also the, the time that we're in in terms of the pandemic. Because um, I do know for me specifically that having the opportunity to connect with strangers in a moment where strangers were, were dangerous due to this, this virus, this pandemic, was a, was a particular moment in time that was deeply meaningful for me. Yeah. I um, The first thought that comes to my mind, Aram, is that um, for me, because I am usually the person in my friendships and otherwise to inspire intimacy and to make room for that and to kind of create that, that that the app didn't really make that any different for me. But what it did do, and I think this is probably true for all of us, is that it increases our access, um, right? To like how, how many people, you know, we have so much more access to all different kinds of people. And also it increases our, the time and duration of our contact and which is not the same in real life, right? In real life, we might go spend, you know, an hour with somebody or two, 
um, you know, once a week or maybe once a month or whatever, once a quarter. But on this app, you can spend hours and hours, maybe hundreds of hours with the same people or person. So I think that the, the quantity of time um, and, and the duration and the, I mean, just the access all, I think those are the, the two factors that I would say made a difference for me personally. But I think that for many people, it, there was even more that, that, it, that like you said, that there, there was more intimate, int- intimacy available because it made it easier um, with less barriers for some of the things that scare us. Jay Hun, Ajahn, Anam. Do you have a question for our esteemed guest? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry. I do. Thanks, Royfield, and thanks, Nicole, for this. Um, so within queer culture, I think it's pretty common to identify a split between romance and sexuality, um, especially in terms of people who are asexual or aromantic. Um, and then people who kind of break down uh, heteroromantic, homoromantic, things like that, depending on how, how deep into labels we're getting. And I'm wondering, Nicole, if you can kind of speak to how you parse the difference between intimacy and romance. Yeah, well, I'm pretty cis, you know, hetero, so I don't have the same experiences, and you could teach me on this. But on first thought, you know, because... I feel like I can make a distinction because obviously I'm intimate with all kinds of people that I'm not romantically involved with or sexually involved with. And I feel like I kind of said earlier that it's really similar. Um, and I think the, it, I think that it's very contextual, right? Which is kind of the obvious answer. So I don't want to be over simple, but I do think it's the context and maybe the intention and the kind of partnership. Like I, can be and I am actually quite playful and flirtatious with same sex that I'm absolutely would have no sexual or romantic interest in also playful and flirtatious with men that I don't have any sexual or romantic interest in um and so where it where it becomes romantic I think is is more of the mutual is more of the intention um for me anyway I'll speak to my own experience of when I'm actually interested in something romantic then for me my experience is a, is a little bit different but then that doesn't really come to any fruition unless it's there's some mutual agreement right there's mutual consent that oh we're both romantic and then what that means is defined purely by those two people and i think that we can all kind of experience the differences in our romances right that the different ways we we engage different people and that does that map with your experience, Jaehoon, or am I saying your name right? By the way, I'm probably butchering uh, your name. Sorry, it's Jaehyun. Thanks, Jaehyun. Jaehyun. I'm apologizing, but does that map with your experience, or no, not at all? A little bit. I mean, I think because I've been within a context where we speak specifically of romance and sexuality, I think of all relationships that I have on any deep level as an intimate relationship. And then romance is a step further in some kind of way. Um, I would say that many people on this stage right now are people who I feel pretty intimate with through just like conversations that we've had or the ways that I feel like I've gotten to know some of them. Also, my two throuple partners happen to be on stage. So there's <laughs> that as well. That's awesome. I mean, and this is the thing, like why, like, you know, we have, 
and this is kind of, I guess, the whole point of what I'm trying to do is, is somehow uh, gently confront how we're so uncomfortable as humans. And I don't know if this is just an American thing, because I can only speak for my American culture, but surely we have puritanical roots, right? Where, you know, where we absolutely, you know, made the physical and romantic and sexual very compartmentalized and in some instances, bad or evil, right? And I think that's just so ridiculous and not healthy. So how can we be more, you know, comfortable and and good with just being more integrated that are that we're this that's what it is to be human <laughs> you know to engage our, our our you know all of our relationships and to and why do we feel like we have to why are some things inappropriate and i think that's what i'm really confronting and i try to do that gently and you know without even with my ptrs which we referred to earlier like i don't think they're gross at all i mean and you know I, that some people could do that and i find that not very effective at all when you're you know, when things are a little too crass or gross, and maybe some people would think that mine are, which is a whole other discussion. But my effort is to really engage sensuality and intimacy and, you know, to be integrative in our nature, not to be, you know, overly, um, you know, uh, sharing too much, you know, where it crosses the line, but everybody's line is different. One of the interesting things that you said to me, which is, I think, maybe the reason why then I reached out to you and said, would you come on my podcast? Can, can I record you? Is that you, you were very conscious of the fact that you were um, not just sat on that ragged edge, that you were crossing over it. And we talked about you being a provocateur before. I think that's a key part of your shtick, is it not? You're right. It is. And I, and I think that I'm willing to take that risk. Um, and yet, even so, I don't want to be rigid about it. Like if it actually does cross a line where some people don't like it one I either have to be okay with that because I've kind of determined that that might be more of their issue than mine and also very willing to make adjustments if it's if I'm not being fair in in some way or 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 sensitive right to to be responsible with that engagement and that's where I think you know it's I'm inviting an intimacy right I'm inviting a partnership to where if you engage it you know let's engage it together Hmm. Are we maybe doing a, you know, coming back full circle where there's, we, we are talking about, um, art, uh, one of the things which you're heavily interested in and the performative nature that you are, you know, poking holes, trying to get a response and that response can be manifest however. But, you know, what you're using to, to provoke that response is always some level of pictorial intimacy, which you would then hope you can connect with somebody on, on another level of intimacy, whether it's just through communication, affection, compassion, etc. Did you want me to respond to that somehow? <laughs> yeah. I, it was a bit of a statement, but it, it's a way okay. of kind of nicely wrapping up our conversation in, in, into a bow as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the visual is just, it's just what's available to me, right, on this app. And it was pretty organic. It, it, it's just me being me, because I feel like that I have, I am expressing how I'm feeling. Uh, and I'm more free to have that expressions in the evening, because it's a little more chill and relaxed, right? So it's just, it was just organic for me. In real life, it comes out differently. Obviously, I'm not showing people pictures, <laughs> walking around. you know, it, it's, di- it's different. Well, thank- and so I don't, yeah, yeah. 
Well, listen, thank you, Nico. I'll start for coming on to Intelligent Speech, my occasional podcast, which I only do uh, when I bump into somebody interesting and think that they're worthy of investigation. So thank you. Thank you for coming on uh, onto the show. You're the first uh, guest of uh, 2021. That's how rarely I do these shows. And thank you for being honest and and, uh, provoking us. intellectually um with ideas of intimacy and how they can contrast with sexuality if you are in the audience uh, i will be doing this um every now and then uh marseille butler is actually going to be next um where uh, i i just talk to people who are actually just quite like i think they're bloody interesting um i've created a little room uh, a little club sorry called intelligent speech give that a little bit of a follow no doubt some of you who may be on this stage or in the audience uh, will be getting um a little note from me saying um can i put you on my podcast intelligent speech um nico stark it's been utterly uh, lovely speaking to you thank you uh for, for gracing us with your eminence madam and thank you everybody <laughs> for spending time uh, to listen to us chunter away and to talk about intimacy versus sexuality take care everybody uh give nicoella a follow she's most awesome and um give the uh give the club intelligent speech a follow we we'll see you all again soon and we'll we'll chat in depth about another topic hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Thanks for, thanks for being generous and for to you all to be being generous with me.